Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. My guest today is entrepreneur Julian Connors, and Julian is going to talk about civic duty. I met uh, Julian earlier this week. He sent me a friend request on Facebook, and I saw that we had a number of mutual friends, and I you know, I uh, clicked yes for the uh, friend request, and he he um, messaged me, and he said he listens to Focus on Albany, and we talked, and he's happy to be on the show, and he's here to talk about today. He's here to talk about civic duty. So, Julian, thank you so much. I appreciate the fact that you like my efforts and trying to do in the Capital District. Yeah. Well, first off, you know, I, I very much appreciate the opportunity to speak with you on your show. Um, I've listened to your program for the better part of the last three years and enjoy your approach to interviewing. You know, I like the diversity of the guests you have. And I, and I kind of recognize that behind your work, you know, is someone that wants to be a part of the community. And I know that you've run for office in the past and inspired to kind of be a voice that influences the, the mindset and, and direction of your fellow citizens. And I just really mm-hmm. appreciate these things about you and what you do. And I, I really directly relate to this, this, this concept that we're not just individuals within our community. We're all Michael influencers that have a duty to contribute to our community in whatever capacity we can. So, so thank you very much for having me on today. It's a wonderful opportunity and, and truly a privilege. My pleasure. So, um, You've got the floor. <laughs> sure. So I guess uh, I'll start off with a little bit about who I am. You know, I was born in Albany. I moved around the Capital District about 13 times by the age of eight. Um, I was placed wow. in foster care around this age and then moved to the, the wonderful community of Clifton Park, where I graduated from Shenandoah in 2006. Uh, my senior year of high school, I was accepted into this really unique internship program where I was able to work for the Times Union. I wrote a number of pieces, one, in fact, on foster care uh, children around Christmas that was actually uh, printed on the front page on Christmas Day. And from there, I was able to serve as a a freelance journalist after high school and throughout college. Um, After I graduated college, I kind of continued to work in journalism for some time. I managed a community blog for the Saratogian called Saratoga Millennial that, you know, really interviewed and highlighted all of the wonderful contributions my peers were providing their communities throughout the the Capital District and, and Saratoga County also covering some, you know, various events and, and entertainment programs taking place in those areas. But, but outside of just where I grew up and in, in the work I conducted after college, you know, I've always been active in the communities I've lived in, whether it's Clifton Park or beyond. I've raised over $100,000 for various breast cancer and domestic violence organizations throughout the state and throughout Saratoga County, Albany County. I had the pleasure of working with Clifton Park's town supervisor, Phil Barrett, and former uh, Congressman Chris Gibson, as well as the American Legion Mohawk Post 1450 to stand up this really beautiful uh, monument for the soldiers who served in Iraq and Afghanistan wars. And, and although, you know, life has certainly, let's say, gotten in the way uh, since those opportunities, I've, I've recently started working with the city of uh, Worcester in Massachusetts to develop a program that, commu- that sees the, the city and the community planting trees throughout the city in memory of those who have passed because of COVID-19. Um, so. Wow. You know, Cynthia, I say these things for a few reasons. Uh, one, to obviously let your audience know who I am, but, but really to send a message 
to your listeners that we all have the ability to do something that goes beyond ourselves and helps improve our community. You know, whether it benefits our fellow citizens, our environment, or both. And I believe, you know, maybe more than ever, the, the times that we currently live in, they demand that good people like yourself stand up and let their voices be heard when it comes to the direction of the local communities, of their homes. You know, we live in our time mm-hmm. when our politicians, our leaders, you know, regardless of which side of the political spectrum they stand on, they create narratives. They create stories that whip everyone into a frenzy, cause confusion, and they capitalize on this confusion and fear by then running on platforms that's based on idea instead of substance. And in reaction to this, we continuously vote in people who, you know, after they're elected, are easily proven to be what I would say out of touch, underwhelming in terms of the tangible results they provide, and really underserved, undeserving of the positions they hold. Mhm. Wow. Okay. So, um, you know, you said that you you're friendly with some of the politicians and co-hosts, and you're talking about civic duty. Have you ever considered running for office yourself? If so, why? And if not, why not? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I would say taking a step back there, I've always been interested in, in, you know, contributing to my community in whatever capacity I could. I, I voted, you know, my first local election at 18 in the uh, community that I went to college in. I've been active in writing, you know, letters to the editors, you know, small contributions that, that influence public opinion. I've always been active in attending my, my you know, whatever communities I've lived in and their common council meetings. Um, you know, speaking in those meetings, being recorded, you know, in the actual notes. And in college, I, I certainly did, you know, consider and, and eventually ran for um, a position, an official position after um, leading the school's um, Greek intercommunity program. So essentially, I was responsible in college for managing over 300 individuals and their relationship with the community in terms of community service. Um, mm-hmm. You know, back then, the, the record for the amount of hours that the school as a whole had contributed to the community was around 5,000 hours in within one academic year. And with the 300 individuals I was responsible for, we actually um, contributed over 25,000 hours of, of community service in one year doing various 5Ks, telethons, road, road races, so on and so forth. So, you know, I've always, again, believed that regardless of my background or where I've come from, that, you know, I, I have a responsibility to to try to influence my community in positive direction, whatever whatever way I could. Um, I do encourage other people, regardless of their age, you know, or background to, to be involved. You don't necessarily have to run for office. Um, but, but I think that, you know, being an informed citizen and an active citizen is really, really critical for ultimately being able to think for yourself and make decisions for yourself when you hear particular narratives that are continuously, you know, blasted on radio, on TV, by your friends, on social media, so on and so forth. Now, you're in your early 30s. Uh, when you kind of assess your friends' involvement and your, your acquaintance involvement in their communities, do you find, do you find it... Are you optimistic or pessimistic about the roles that, that they're playing as of today? That's a good question. 
and I'd say I'm, I'm pessimistic, unfortunately. You know, so let's, let's take a look at the ongoing situation occurring in the city of Cohoes in terms of the position of mayor and the controversy that just seems to continue to plague this role. Now, I listened to a recent interview you had with former mayor Sean Morris, and I, and I think the dialogue coming from him, as well as from a few former elected officials from Cohoes, is a really good example of what I mentioned earlier in terms of the narratives that our fellow citizens need to be cautious of. Sean comes on your show, and within the first five minutes, he says, politics is a difficult business, so he won't comment or criticize the current mayor, Bill Killer, or anybody else who's involved with governing their communities. But then he immediately, immediately follows up by saying that the positive trajectory that Cohoes was on, implying under his tenure as mayor, is gone, the city is stagnant, and then he spends the next 20 minutes creating a, a, a subtle argument that plays off the nostalgia of something that we see at a federal level right now, which is... The concept of what used to be great can be great again if you start to consider me once again as your potential leader. And, and Sean, you know, he uses his charisma, his tone that reflects the, the supposed everyday common man who works hard, and he positions himself as a man who, you know, quote unquote, has made mistakes, he acknowledges them, and because he acknowledges them and because you can point to a few tangible things that were created under his tenure as mayor, he should be a potential candidate again. And, and again, while he didn't say that outright, he definitely planted the seed for a comeback. And I don't know, Sean. I know those who, are po who oppose Sean and helped Mayor Keeler get elected. But, but Sean represents something that I believe is dangerous and is part of the reason why our policies are more partisan than ever potentially before. Now, Sean, at the end of the day, is a convicted felon, period. And unlike being charged for crimes that have nothing to do with the position of mayor, you know, his judgment is directly related to his misuse of campaign funds. Now, now, you can say that it was a hit job, that the FBI was used to bring him down, whatever that means. You can say that all elected officials use their contributions to buy nice dinners or suits or whatever. And you know what? That may be true. You may be able to justify spending donations on a nice dinner because you needed to meet with a particular individual and get them to endorse you but you really can't cover why you needed to use such funds to go on vacation. And I'm sure Sean has gone through enough. My, my goal here isn't to attack him as a man. My, my goal here is to raise awareness of what he represents. We can't allow what I would call these, these buddy CNC copycats, people who are charismatic, people who know how to talk to a large crowd, people who portray themselves as the regular man who in reality are out of touch with the middle and lower class. They don't know who we are, and they don't try to. They don't want to be elected for the title. They do want to be elected for the pay. They do want to be elected for their egos. And, and, and we can go even further on this because I don't want your audience to think that I, you know, I have a particular agenda against Sean. But, you know, if you review the opposite side of Sean and you look at Mayor Bill Keeler, because he represents the other half of the problem I'm talking about, that the problem of electing officials based on an idea and only an idea, Bill Keeler ran on a pop platform of integrity. One buzzword alone, integrity. No one asked mm -hmm. him about his plan. No one asked him what he was going to do to maintain the positive momentum that Sean and John McDonald and the past mayors had put into motion, how Keeler was going to catalyze in this momentum and, and really bring a very well-deserving city to the next stage of its development. He simply ran on an idea of integrity and, and now you can see what's going on. And I think in context, I think it's important to note that Mayor Keeler had only about two months to be in office before you know, the world shut down because of COVID-19. I think there's a lot of time he deserves before we look at him and say he did or, or did not do anything from a tangible perspective. But, but that being said, Cynthia, in, in only six months, 
we can point to a few things that are questionable, if not corrupt. Almost immediately after taking office, his family benefits from a raise, the people who helped him get elected, and I know this to be a fact because I spoke directly to Keeler himself during his election, that the people who helped him get elected are thrown to the side, the promises he made to a number of people are dropped, and then he uses city resources to benefit his personal property. And you look at the effects that these two men have had on the people of Cohoes. They have created this great divide, a division that causes people to argue that because the previous mayor broke some rules, we need to ignore the current mayor's action. How does that make sense? Either ethics are applied to everyone or no one at all. Either the people of Cohoes elected Keeler to replace Morris because they wanted to return integrity to City Hall, or they didn't. Integrity is not measured by decimals. Whether we look at Cohoes or my hometown of Clifton Park or Albany or Troy or wherever, we cannot continuously elect and choose people who are less poisonous than their predecessors. And it's at that point where I'll say once again, those listening to you, those who are frustrated with the state of politics in their local communities, things will never change for the better unless you as the audience get involved. We need to write letters to the editors of our local newspapers. We need to attend our common council meetings. We need to contribute to our neighbors and take care of our environment. We need to ask those running for office what they're actually going to do. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? We need to stop allowing those running for office to run on ideas, nostalgia, taglines like integrity or community first. What are you going to do and how are you going to do it, period? And when such candidates use their charisma or ability to think on their feet to bypass these questions, we need to return to them and keep asking until we get an answer that makes sense. Julian, what you're saying is correct. I agree with everything you're saying. But in real time, right now, over the past number of years, or maybe it's been like this forever, will not step up to the plate and run for office. Therefore, you get the recycled people over and over again, maybe running for a different office. But you see the same faces, and you don't basically don't see any new blood. And if and if oh, there is any wait, and if there is any new blood, and they kind of like um, step on the toes of the party officials or the party elite, they're going to try to destroy that person. So when you're saying people should step up to the plate and, and run for office and make a change. You're correct, but the obstacles in doing something are so great that the average person would say that it's not worth it for me. What do you say about that? Well, I completely agree with you, and even in my own personal experiences for running for office, you know, I, I definitely learned that there's a formula to be taken, and people of intelligence, if they follow a particular formula, you know, they can get elected, and they can be successful, and they can make positive change without necessarily getting all of the negative blowback that comes with, you know, stirring up the pot or, or trying to change the status. You know, if you start off by getting involved with your communities, you know, you develop a portfolio that sees you actively engage with your community. You've put together several different, you know, charity events, or you've participated in whatever way that, you know, you can actually say, here are some, here are some programs that I created for no cost, for nothing to do with my reputation. I just did it because I love my community. Then you can do something like, I don't know, run for city, you know, city councilman. 
especially in a, in a small town like like the city of Cohoes, where you really are able to meet with, you know, a few hundred people within your ward and get them to understand who you are and what your message is. Very much to what I believe, you know, former, you know, Councilman Randy Kanifka did. You know, he went door to door. He got to know his community. And, you know, he, he ran on a, on a basis of being in love with his community. He's a historian when it comes to his community. He's, I believe, a fourth-generation member of his community. And that alone was enough to prop him into a position where he can make change, where he can influence the direction of City Hall. And I think he definitely okay. did that when it came to the position of, of Sean Morris. So to those listening, okay. I think if you make incremental steps, you can get into a position where you have greater influence over your community. And then from there, if you want to run for higher offices, at least you have a base of experience to, to run off of. Okay. Let, let, let me play the devil's advocate for a moment. In the County of Albany, as you, you and all the listeners are well aware, this is, uh, well, Cahos and Albany predominantly is, a democratic city. Right. So in Cajal's, the, the Republicans, they were dead. They were dead. There was nobody coming to the forefront on the Republican side to challenge Democratic incumbents. So there was no, there was no dialogue. There was no holding the incumbents to the fire, and again, it's a question of, you know, the party is not doing what they're supposed to. Would you agree? I agree. I mean, I think that is, you know, point blank the, the situation that we're in, but I think that, you know, more than ever, and you can look at a few different communities as examples here, you know, I think people on a local level, maybe not in a state or a federal at this point, but on a local level, I really truly believe people are much more closer to each other than, than our politics would have us believe. And what I mean by that is people at the end of the day, they care about their families regardless of which political spectrum they stand on. They care about their community. They want their kids to go to good schools. They want their roads to be paved. They want those who elected them to serve them, right? I mean, that's the very premise of why people are supposed to run for higher office. So I think when you have mm -hmm. a good candidate, regardless of what title is attached to their, you know, to the, to the ballot, I think when you have a good candidate who has an honest message and really shows the people that he or he or she very much cares about the community and wants to do right by them, and they put forth a number of very well-crafted, well-studied and supported ideas that make sense for that community, I do think people will vote, you know, across party lines. I think people are hesitant to lose, right? People are hesitant to lose to your point right here. But again, it, at this point in day and age, when people are so desperate for, you know, people with real integrity and fresh ideas, I, I don't think political spectrums really have anything to do or would necessarily always influence people to vote down, you know, their, their party line. And I think you okay. need to give people reasons why. And, you know, if you look at, Albany County, you know, you look at the numbers in just one year between 2018 and 2019, when the rest of the country is flourishing, Albany County has a 12.5% poverty rate, which is, which is above the national rate. It's population decline, medium household income decline, the number of employees declined, and medium property values declined. That's every major key performance indicator that a community holds itself to when measuring its viability and success. Property values in Albany County have been stagnant. For almost 10 years and you know what's gone up Cynthia 
property taxes. Property taxes have gone up by almost $3,000 in the same period. So again, going back to the original point here, when you look at Mayor Sheehan in Albany, or Mayor Madden in Choi, or Mayor Keeler in Cohoes, Albany and Rensselaer County has been deeply taken advantage of by people who are charismatic, good at running a campaign and idea instead of substance, good at pointing at a few tangible things that quote unquote prove their success, but have not done anything to improve the livelihood of their community, of their people. So to go back to your question, I do think if you have someone who is the antithesis of this, I do think people will vote regardless of party lines. That's interesting. Um, You're saying so many important things, and, you know, I I follow follow the mayor's race and Coe's and and Troy and, of course, Albany, and it's, it's pretty sad at the end of the day that the people really aren't represented. Um, how do you overcome that? You know, I think that's a solution that maybe, you know, is, is bigger than one person. I think people like yourself, me, you know, Councilman Knifka, you know, and a number of other individuals have to come together and form a group that understands, like, what, what is it that we want in, in Albany County and Saratoga County and Rensselaer County in 2020? You know, I'll tell you this, like, I live in Massachusetts now, but I, my business operates out of Clifton Park, New York. I get so excited when I go home to Albany and, and go back to some of my favorite restaurants. And I get even more excited when I bring friends who have never been to New York or upstate New York and have never been to Albany or Troy. And it, it baffles me, though, like how rich the communities are in terms of the educational facilities that are there, in terms of the vibrant restaurants, the, the you know, very friendly uh, articulate and intelligent people who consume these communities. And I'll give you an example and an anecdote. I don't really like giving anecdotes, but I'll go against my pledge and, and give you one. I was in Troy not too long ago with a friend of mine who, again, had never been to Troy, let alone upstate New York. And we're sitting in one of the, you know, one of the new breweries there and, and enjoying ourselves and having a few drinks. And out of nowhere, they say, like, wow, you know, this is really cool, but it's really sad how many people in the time that we've been here have walked by who look – you know, unwell, sick, and homeless. And it's like, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, people who are from Albany, New York, or upstate New York, we love it there. We know how amazing it is there. But our politicians that we put into place have not done anything to attract other people from outside the capital district into our communities. They have not done anything that allows us to solidify and grow our tax base, that, that encourages affluent families to move here to plant their seeds and create a new generation. So, you know, to answer your question, I'm not sure what the solution is, but I do know for a fact that, you know, I think it starts more with investing in our people, investing in our education, bringing businesses here and affluent families, than looking at the cool hip brewery that came into town or looking at the nice sidewalks like in Troy that have been, you know, installed for millions of dollars. We keep building these nice little tangible hip things, but we don't do anything to really invest in ourselves as a community and as a people. You know, we should be doing a lot more to clean up the streets, when it, definitely when it comes to Albany and Troy, to crack down on crime, to crack down on the distribution, the very public distribution of drugs, all the different things that make it uncomfortable for people who don't grow up in these communities to, to come here. Now, you say you write letters to the editor. When you see things in Albany and Troy and Cohoes, 
do you write letters to the editors to the Times Union, and do they publish them? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say since I was 18, so this is going back, um, you know, almost 18 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I published editors. Oh, I'm sorry. I published letters or sent letters to the editor to CN Weekly, which is the newspaper in Clifton Park, to the Albany Times Union, to the Troy Record, to the Saratogan, just about every single major, you know, media outlet. Um, you know, from a paper publication perspective. And yes, they've, they've always been published. I've never really had a difficult time, you know, getting my, my voice heard. I think that, you know, regardless of whether you're the Times Union or the Troy Record, there's probably a lot of people who are sending things that aren't coherent, you know, and don't make sense. So I think if you're mm-hmm. able to put together a nice, coherent, you know, refined argument within usually 300 words, then, then they are likely to, to publish it. Now, where are you living right now? I, I currently uh, own a house outside of uh, Boston, Massachusetts. I uh, moved out to Massachusetts about 10 years ago to start, uh, you know, to work for a company, and that has since transgressed into working for CVS Health, um, their headquarters. But I also uh-huh. own a property in Worcester, Massachusetts, which is where that, uh, that event's taking place in terms of getting the city to plant trees in memory of those who have passed due to COVID-19. And I, my business is operated out of Clifton Park, New York. So, you know, I'm, I'm between multiple areas at any given time. So do you find the uh, people, the representatives in Massachusetts more attentive to the needs of the, the residents than they are in, in New York? Well, I'll speak at a state level here instead of a local community, because I think if you look at, you know, the community of Clifton Park versus Troy versus wherever in New York State, you're you're going to have a back and forth answer depending on the elected officials and what you get out of them. At at a state level, yeah, I do believe that, you know, our our elected officials in Massachusetts are much more attentive and, and invest in a much more appropriate ways our tax dollars. And then I'll just give you some statistics, you know, anecdotal thoughts or emotional responses. Massachusetts is one of the highest states in terms of taxes. I mean, I lost tens of thousands of dollars in taxes last year, but, but here's what I got back for it. I got back the best public education system that I can send my son to in the entire country. I got back the best health care in the entire country that I could possibly want or possibly get. My roads are always paved. If you go on the interstate here in Massachusetts, the roads are, the roads are always smooth as possible. You get a tremendous mm-hmm. amount of bang for your buck, so to speak, where in New York, especially in upstate New York, real pretty much anywhere outside of, you know, Long Island, New York City, you don't get that. People are leaving by the masses when it comes to New York State and, and the governor, whether you support him or don't support him, he can say, well, it's, it's cold in New York State. Well, <laughs> it's cold in Massachusetts too, but Massachusetts has an influx of population while New York continuously declines. And I love New York. I'm not trying to be a hater whatsoever. I absolutely love the state of New York for a lot of different reasons. But mm-hmm. it's true. You don't get a lot for your buck. Taxes are extremely high. You're not getting much in response for those taxes. The public education system is not great. The health care is not great. And you can go on and on and on. So, yes, I do think that the elected officials within Massachusetts, at least from the way that they invest in their communities, is much more substantial than those in New York. Well, and that's unfortunate to say because, and, and I, just one last point, it is unfortunate to say because I would love to move back home. I would love to go back to Albany and move my family over there, but there are no, you know, there are not a lot of great high-paying jobs. There's not a lot of opportunities. 
there's not a lot of reasons for me to move where I'm currently in, you know, the, from the location I'm currently residing back to New York as much as I'd love to. Uh, our time is up for today, Julian, but it's been terrific talking with you. And I do yeah, hope absolutely. that I do hope that you could come back and we could start a dialogue for uh, the people of the Capital District to maybe get involved and make this place uh, better for them. What do you think? I would love that. I absolutely, like I said at the beginning of the program, I think it's a privilege to be on your show and have such a great conversation. I think a lot of great things start with the conversation. I love learning from you, and I would love to be on your show again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Julian. So you've been listening to Julian Connors, and this is Focus on Albany. And if you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, download on your smartphone, subscribe to iTunes. If you have a comment about this show, hashtag Focus on Albany. Julian, it was a pleasure talking to you, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful day.